0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Fire & Rain, the podcast where we talk about mental health and its relationship to leadership, the workplace, and your personal life. My mission is easy. It's to help others achieve the life that they deserve. I do this by talking first so that you can win the battle with mental health. In any conflict, there are two sides. And by better understanding your opposition, what its strengths are, what its weaknesses are, what it can and can't do to you, your chances of success are greatly improved. So if you're looking for real conversation that will positively alter your life, you're in the right place. Welcome to Fire and Rain. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is David Lewis. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Fire and Rain. I hope you all are doing well. I hope you've had a great week. Um, doesn't mean that you're you're free from issues or, or, or problems. I know that we all encounter them, but if you are going through something right now, I hope that you have owned up to it and you're overcoming it. And I always like to say, own, own your issues. You own them. And uh, one of the courses that I, I, I teach, I talk about owning your problems like a 1978 chrysler newport um the chrysler newport was one of the first vehicles i had and it was actually a 1978 chrysler newport And it, if you've never seen this vehicle and there, there's a reason they, they they just discontinue some vehicles and yeah you can look at this one it's it's a boat uh with wheels it's it's a, a massive car but this one was light baby blue rusted. I mean, just, just horrible. But you know what? It was mine. And and I remember I was going to the store one time and I was getting out of it and I was maybe, I don't know, 15 feet from it. And these these kids, as I was walking towards the front door of the store, this group of uh kids, maybe same age as me, but there was like four or five of them. They were walking out and they didn't pay any attention to me, but they somehow just happened to notice or one of them did they noticed this 1978 Chrysler Newport the ugliest vehicle in the parking lot and they they walk out of the store and one of the first things this one of the kids said was uh oh my gosh he started just you know look at that car talking about how ugly it was and hideous and I was just like oh man I just felt like like crap I was like man that's that's my car you know this guy's making fun of like mine but what I realized is it's mine that is mine. For better or for worse, that's my set, 1978 Chrysler Newport. Now, people can look at it, and they can make fun of it, and, you know, I can try to hide it, but you know what? There is no hiding this thing. It is, it is massive. And so, I always like to say, own your issues like a 1978 Chrysler Newport, because when it comes to your, your own problems, like my ugly car, we often try to hide our problems and we try to just shove them to the side and we don't want them to be in the forefront. But, but like this car that I had, like any vehicle, right? the more I drive it, the more I'm in it, the more I'm using it, the closer I am to getting rid of it because at some point vehicles are, are just, they're obsolete. You know, parts aren't made for them. There's something better out there. You you might be in the, the worst possible car or situation right now. But when you're in it and you're owning it and you're going through it and you're saying this belongs to me, at some point it too shall pass. So whatever problem you have, just realize, just like I had to do pulling up to a stoplight, the ugliest car at the intersection. It was mine. Same thing with your problems. Don't run from them. Own them. So yeah, I kind of went into a tangent there, but it's uh, that—that's what I—I I, I mean when I, I talk about owning your issues. I mean fully embracing them and working your way through them. That's—that's that's the only way to do it because it's gonna—it's gonna make you a better person. It's gonna help you mentally, because there's nothing that's gonna be lingering in the background that's gonna cause anxiety of. You know, when you, when you, you, you might have a thought of, I still got this issue going on. I still have this problem and you're, you're, you're just hoping it's going to go away. But, you know, just like my big ugly car, it's not going anywhere. You know, you have to get in it, use it. That's the only way you're going to get something new and better eventually to, uh, you know, get out of your, your, your situation. So don't run from it, own your problems, be proud of your problems. They are, they make you who you are. If you've ever listened to a congratulations speech, or not a congratulations speech, but maybe an acceptance speech, people are always, I'd like to thank this person and this person and this person. You know, it's like a highlight reel. Just like I talked about with Facebook and Instagram, it's a highlight reel. I wanna thank all, all these people that did all these amazing things in my life. But we are who we are based on good things and bad things. Own the bad things too, because they make you who you are. So, if you're going through issues right now throughout this week, I hope you're overcoming them. I hope you're in the middle of it and you're getting to you're getting closer to a place that is a lot better. All right, got that off my chest. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about leadership this week. I, I might do a multi-part series. There's just so much that we can talk about with leadership and it's a topic that I am truly passionate about. I with regards to mental health, you know, any leadership role that you have going on, mental health issues, they rob you of your ability to lead. And I define leadership as taking on the responsibility for the well-being of those under your charge. I'll say it again. You're taking on the responsibility for the well-being, well-being, underline that, well-being of those under your charge. Leadership is not jumping into a role And just pointing and directing and yelling at people and telling people what to do and and saying, I'm the boss. I'm not going to get into this this cul-de-sac of where we're going around and around saying, well, management is when you're yelling from the top of a hill at people. And leadership is when you're in front and you're taking charge. You know what I'm talking about if I'm saying leadership. I'm talking about a person that – because the way that I define it is you're taking care of other people essentially – that's the way i that i think personally that's my own belief that's what leadership is for for the multitude multitude of people that i have a responsibility for i don't say they work for me i've never said that i consider it an honor to over i guess oversee their their day-to-day tasks and to, to look out for them but I don't let that go to my head and say that they work for me. I work for them. I am responsible for their safety, for their well-being, for their 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 mental health. Uh to a degree, um if there, if there's families involved, you know, I take on that responsibility too. It's a big responsibility. And so that's why I say I work for them so that everything I do has to be for the benefit of them. Now, it doesn't mean that every day that it, it's, it's coming in and you know they're telling me what to do and this, that, and the other. There are many days when I come into work and I, I, ask, I ask my individuals, what can I do for you today? What do you need from me in order to be successful? And I remember the first few times that I was asking that, there was like these nervous chuckles that people would get. And I didn't really get wholehearted, honest answers from them. And I started realizing that even though to me this felt comfortable, this felt natural, this felt like something that should have taken place from the managers before me and before them, up until me, it didn't happen. And so that's why I guess it was something that was out of the norm for them to have been asked, what can my supervisor do for me today to make me successful? What, is, what do I need from my supervisor in order to do my job? I love asking that question. And if I get a nervous laugh, that's okay. I'm going to keep asking it. And whether it comes out immediately, or if it's back at the station and I get a phone call, hey, chief, I need this. Boom, I'm on it. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna do what I can for you. Because you have a role, you have responsibilities, you have things to do, and I want to make sure that I support you in your role. Now, there are times when I have to step up and I have to direct things, and those are typically on emergency scenes, but throughout the day, oftentimes, they're out there, they're doing the tasks, I'm listening to them on the radio, they're taking more calls than I am, and I just need to be in a position to support them when something comes up, should they need help. And that's how I view my role as a battalion chief. But you know, when you have mental health issues going on in your life, they rob you of your ability to lead. But additionally, I've mentioned before that within law enforcement, EMS agencies, and fire departments, there is a lack of staffing. So what I'm getting at is this. I would love for, within any of these agencies, I would love for there to be consistent leadership training across the board. But you know what? The truth is, within these agencies, what we do is we have requirements to say, I want you to memorize this book, memorize these standard operating procedures, these directives, I want you to take these classes, and that's good enough for you to lead somebody. And that's not working anymore because what's happening is that organizations are so short staffed that they're just focused on having personnel in the seats to go out there and take the calls. They're not, they don't have the resources, administrations don't have the resources to consistently worry about training leaders. That has kind of, in my opinion, that has fallen by the wayside. It wasn't good to begin with. And I say that because I went through that. I was in that population of individuals that we were told to memorize this, take these courses, do these steps, get these certifications, and then come promotional time, you can compete for a position, being promoted. I was in there. Now, me taking those classes, I can tell you they don't work. I'm sorry, if you are somebody that has developed one of these leadership courses, Officer 1, Officer 2, Officer 3, all these different whatever they might be for management stuff, budget stuff, a majority of these classes. Look, I, I, I was just talking with a friend the other day. He said, I got to take this, this, this class, and I have that certification, and I was like, oh, well, what are, what, are you guys, what are you guys learning in that class? What's the, you know, what's, what, what's the big project? What are you working on today? And this is like one of the higher level officer management classes, and they were learning how to do a research paper. Now, I can tell you as a supervisor, 90% of my time, 90% of the, of the when I have to do any type of work throughout the day that is significant, Outside of taking emergency calls, those are significant, but a majority of the things and the tasks that I have to do on a daily basis is managing issues from personnel. And just like me, all these people that are taking these classes to be eligible for promotion within their organization, it doesn't matter if you're law enforcement, fire, or an EMS agency – Right? You're, you're taking these classes, and they are not preparing you for 90% of what you need to be prepared for. These classes are not teaching you how to resolve conflict. They're not teaching you how to approach uh, disciplinary issues. They're not teaching you how to do evaluations. They're not teaching you how to delegate. They're not teaching you, and they're not giving you a, a solid basis on how to be a leader. They're not telling you anything that, in my opinion, is really important, And so what happens is these organizations right now, we are so stressed for personnel that a majority of the time, our focus is just on maintaining day-to-day operations. Do I have enough personnel in the seats, out on the street, to take care of the citizens when they call? Yes, that's a priority. It really is. But I can tell you, in my experience, because I was there, I went through those classes I memorized the the directives, I got the certifications, and then I went and I took the promotional exam. And I knew what I needed to memorize, I knew what I needed to regurgitate, I knew what I needed to say in order to be, be promoted and, and be, you know, rather, if it was rated number one or two in the promotional process, I studied my butt, my butt off and I worked extremely hard to do that. But just like me and, and a lot of people that have gone before me and that are currently going through a promotional process, you take these courses and you do these things, but they don't prepare you on and they don't give you a solid foundation for being an officer, for being a leader, for being a manager, whatever you want to call it. They don't give you a solid foundation for that. And it's very frightening to think in the public, oh, if you only knew what we do. Now, you might look at what we do and you're like, and you might think it's sufficient, but it's checking a box. It's checking a box. that's all it is. It doesn't give you a solid foundation. And, it, and to me, it's almost frightening, because, again, a majority of the time, throughout my day, I'm managing issues from personnel. Somebody messed up. There's a sexual harassment. Somebody did this, somebody's late. And the reason I bring up leadership and and what it has to do with, if you don't have a solid foundation and you haven't developed your own skill set, you're going to be completely lost in how you operate. You're not going to know. You're not going to know right from wrong. You're going to be faced with all these new situations that you've never been educated on. You've sat through hundreds of hours of lectures, it feels like, to, to be promoted. And within those hundreds of hours of lectures why weren't you given maybe a few scenarios or examples on these types of uh, of situations that you're, you're currently encountering? It's because these classes, in my opinion, they were not developed properly. Even the books that are written for officers these days, if you look at them, I went through them the other day. There was one, it was a chief officer handbook. I can't remember what edition. It was an older one. It was like 700 and something pages maybe. And then I go into the section that's supposed to be on like Conflict resolution, managing personnel evaluations, how to how to how to how to talk to personnel that are going through you know uh, crisis and things like that. I think it totaled up to like thirteen or fourteen pages. Now I'm telling you that ninety percent of my time is dealing with this stuff in a book that has seven hundred plus pages. If it's like less than twenty talking about those, holy smokes! It's no it's no uh, surprise that. Any human resource department is probably overwhelmed, and they're saying to themselves, you know what? The police department, they're screwed up. The fire department, they're screwed up. I mean, from the get-go, we don't have a solid foundation. We're not teaching just like I wasn't taught, and I throw myself in there too, so please don't think that I'm just criticizing other officers because I was in this boat too, and I'm still growing as a leader. But it's no wonder that there's so many issues out there, It's, it's it, that officers are allowing specific things to happen, that officers don't feel comfortable addressing problems, that they would rather turn a blind eye, that they, they allow bullying to, to take place within the organization. It's because we're not being trained on how to handle things. And like I was getting to earlier, I've had so many people come to me and the, and the younger officers. Hey, I've got a question for you. A majority of the time, when that happens, I know exactly where it's going. I'm like, okay, let's go talk. Let's go talk in private because I want to hear what you have going on and I want to see how I can help you. And these problems and these, these statements that they're making, they always seem to come back to, I've got an issue and I don't know how to address it. And what's sad is, is that this is just, because I was there, it should just be as easy as recognizing the situation, and we should have a solid understanding of this is the best practice to handle this problem. But that information is not put out there. You want to go into these officer books that have less than 20 pages on topics that I think are extremely important. Important. You're not going to get the answer from there. But if you want to learn about pie charts, oh, fantastic. Yeah, we got 16 chapters on that. You want to talk about budgets? Sure. Yeah. Read read chapter uh, uh, 10, 11, 12. Each one's 80 pages. I mean, budgets are important. I truly believe that managers, the the top priorities for any manager, it should be uh, two M's. Minds the mind of your personnel. Protect that, serve that, nurture that. Minds and money. Oftentimes I've seen people placed in situations where they're in in charge of a budget, but they can't even control their own finances, right? They get a raise, they spend more money. They waste money on stuff that has no benefit for the organization. They waste money on things that they haven't tried. I mean, I've seen that. I've been at a conference where a, a new gadget is being presented. And departments, after the presentation, departments are, yeah, I'll take six. Yeah, we'll, we'll take this. Meanwhile, each of those gadgets might cost $5,000. Now, the problem with that, in my mind, is that within our, our industries, law enforcement, EMS, fire, you want to have stuff within your organization that works. You want to know it works. You want to test it out. But if you're just buying stuff and putting it on the street and expecting your personnel to perform optimally, and this, this product is not going to break, your personnel are not going to have questions, that, whatever it might be, uh, it's not going to happen. You have to, you have to test products. And you need to spend your money wisely because there are some organizations out there. There's, there's companies out there that are, man, they, they, they produce products that are just their crap and they they, they, they break. They're not for us. But with regards to money, when you're spending your budget, you have a certain amount allocated to you throughout the year. And you should not go beyond that without some, you know, significant justification but if you're just given, you know, 6 million dollars for an operating budget whatever it might be and you're just blowing that on all this crap that you haven't tried going back to minds and money, you are not responsible with you're not fiscally responsible to to be in that position. And it's the same thing with with uh with minds. You know, if you don't have an understanding, if you don't have a solid understanding of or I guess I should say a practice of dealing with people, talking with others, and addressing problems, right, you're going to be lost. That should be your priority. You should know how to handle your personnel, how to work with them, how to talk with them. But if you don't have those things, you get lost. Now let's throw in a mental health issue, right? If you don't have a solid foundation, and you're operating all over the place to begin with, well, I, I've never encountered this situation, so I'll do this. since so there's, there's nothing that said this is the best practice. You, know, you could be doing that wrong to begin with. Throw in emotions, raw emotions that have been triggered by a mental health crisis that you have going on in your life. You know, how accurate or how much less accurate are you going to be? Probably significantly. You're going to be reacting based off of emotion. I I think truly three things are going to happen when you have a mental health issue come up if you're in a leadership position. The first thing is that you're going to lose motivation to do your job. So let me give you an an example. As a leader, you have to address problems. I told you that's 90% of the, the things that go on. And I can tell you from experience, when I was in that dark place and I was truly depressed and I was hiding everything, just pretending I was okay in front of everybody on a daily basis. When I came to work, I did not want to address issues. I didn't want to have one more thing thrown at me. So that's how I reacted. So people can address, uh, or, or they can they can choose not to address things when when they're they're depressed, when they're anxious, they have something going on in their life. They don't want to add any more fuel to the fire. The second thing is that you can be, you you become hypervigilant. There might be something small that takes place within the workplace. And to you, that is just the biggest issue that has ever come up. And you know, it's just horrible. You overreact. You're, you've you lost your mind. You're, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak. And the third thing that can potentially happen is that you start to micromanage. You feel like, You have lost control in one area of your life, and I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. Not for me, but I have seen it. So if you lose control in one area of your life, you want to start to control other things. And so you take on that position of the the manager, and, and that goes straight to your head. You take on the position of the leader, and that goes straight to your head. I'm in charge. I'm going to tell you how to do X, Y, and Z every single step all the way. Because you you don't have control in one area, so you want to feel like you can control something and you start to micromanage individuals. Like for me, I would say that when I had my mental health issues and I was in the leadership position, 80% of the time I was in the, I don't have the motivation to do my job accurately, so I lost the motivation. The... Other 20%, I've probably fell into the category of being hyper-vigilant, where small issues became just big issues and they shouldn't have been. I never really got into the micromanaging, thank goodness, because I absolutely hate that. But that's probably where I fell. So I think those are probably three things that can, you know, potentially happen. But again, going back to we're not training our personnel. All these organizations, you're just in survival mode day to day. You're worried about recruiting. You're worried about training people to a minimum standard and just getting them on the street. It is getting so hard to find good quality people that want to work. They're out there. They're out there. And, and, and like my organization, we're trying. God knows we're trying. Your organization, you're trying. But when you're short staffed to begin with, if you didn't have a officer or leadership development course in place, if you haven't said as an organization, this is our branding, right? This is this is us. This is what we believe in. This is what we train our officers in to begin with. If you don't have that stuff, when you're short-staffed, you're not going to have the, the personnel. You're not going to have the resources to commit to training officers. And so what's going to happen is that even if you try to implement something like that down the road, your branding may not be in line with the training that takes place. And that's going to happen because you might bring in individuals from the outside that have a specific leadership course that they're teaching, that, that, that have been doing this for years, and they've came up with their own style. And you might get lucky when they come in and they start Training your department on leadership, you might get lucky, you might get some good stuff, but you might not. You might have somebody that their thought process, how their department, how they were trained, how they were brought up, right? It's not the same for your department. I can't go to my neighbor's house and say, you know what? Um, you've got kids and I've got kids. Uh, why don't you come over and tell my kid how to act? you know it, because his brand is different from my brand you have to develop that and so what i've had to do is over the years i've had to i've had to develop my own leadership style and it's not perfect god knows it's not perfect and I, and i'm still developing it and it's an ongoing process and and i'll I'll talk about a little bit that a little bit about that today My leadership style is not for me to go out and get a bunch of certifications and take these classes because I've been to them. I have the certifications. I've got binders full of certs, and I can tell you that there's some wonderful classes out there. There's There's some good instructors, and there are hundreds of thousands of leadership development courses and instructional material out there that you can get your hands on and that you can read. But there is not going to be one specific silver bullet that is going to make you the end-all, be-all, quintessential leader for any organization. Because it may not fit with your style of who you are. It may not fit, or everything may not fit with your organization. And it may not even apply. So what you have to do is, and what I have done is I started with, because I, again, I didn't get what I felt I needed from taking these courses to be prepared. And I realized that very early. So I'm, I wasn't one to say, well, I've got officer five and uh, you're going to listen to me. No, people don't listen to that. No, they could care less. What I did was I realized that I didn't have what I needed. So I started doing comparisons. The first thing I said to myself Dave, I didn't really say Dave. I didn't have an out, out loud conversation with myself. But in my head, I said, Dave, what type of leader don't you want to be? And that was my starting place. Because I didn't know what type of leader I wanted to be. When I took these leadership courses, they didn't give me different styles and examples to, to go off of. There was no concrete foundation, and I didn't have an understanding of what worked in other organizations, what worked for specific people, you know there wasn't a lot of stories with that. there was a lot of war stories, but it was mostly you know, I did this, and I did that, and yeah okay, I'm kind of you know, I can get some stuff from that, but really, I just really feel like they're just they're just gloating and you know and that's that's what oftentimes happens in these courses. so I said, what don't I want to be?" that's where I'm going to start. And so I started developing. I came up with 21 things. And this is just for me. And you will have to do the same thing. But I highly recommend that if you don't know what type of leader or officer or manager you want to be, start with the type that you don't want to be and then go from there. And so I like comparisons. I like analogies. I like examples. That really helps me tie in. I look at how Things have taken place in the world, and I say, you know, do I want to be, do I want to be that? Do I want to have some of that? And, and, and it's always changing. I don't get one specific style and stay there. So the thing that I start with, I say, you know, like accountability. You know, with regards to accountability, how does Dave Lewis want to operate as a leader? I need to have that solid foundation because I am out there in the streets with the crews doing all the bad things on these crazy calls. Is it possible that a mental health issue could arise again? Absolutely. Is it possible that it could happen to one of, my, uh, one of my, the individuals that I get to work with? Yes. But if I have a solid foundation and I understand who I am, I'm less likely to get lost. I'm less likely to fall off that path. So with accountability... I know that I, just like going back to my 1978 Chrysler Newport, I need to own it. Everything good that has happened, I give credit to the crews. Yes, I'm a part of it, but if I have a meeting with someone from administration, they're like, hey, Dave, Chief Lewis, listen to this call. Crews did a great job. Good good on you, right? You did this. You did that. I'm like, hey, thank you, but it's the crews. So I know with accountability, yes, I'm a part of it, but I want to shine light on all the good stuff that takes place on the cruise because they're the ones that completed the task. I may have given the order, but they went out there and they, they just crushed it. They rocked it. But when something bad happens, I take the blame. That's me. That's how I want accountability to be. It's, it falls on the leader. It falls on me. Because I've been in that position before where I have allowed X, Y, and Z to take place within my company when I was a station officer, and I was pulled to the carpet. They said, is this the type of stuff that we can expect from you as a station officer? And I was like, oh, I felt so small. I had had a big issue. There was an investigation going on, and we tried to handle some things in-house, and it just... And But that stuff happens every day. But I realized that I have to own everything bad because I am responsible. At the end of the day, I am responsible. The news does it. They're doing it with Biden. You know, something happens out in another state or something. Ah, it's Biden. When Trump was president, something happened. Ah, it's, it's Trump's fault. Right? I mean, the, the top person, they always take take the fall. We see it with organizations. Something bad happens and who, who gets fired? Eh, it's usually the top person because ultimately the responsibility falls on them. So in my small world, I have to own everything bad because I just know that, that that's the way that the world works. If my crew's not out there operating a specific way, I need to make sure that they're trained. If not, then you know I can't turn around and, and, and say, well, it's on them. They didn't get out there and they, they didn't do this the right way. And they, they know better. No, that's, that's, that's not the sign of a good leader, in my opinion. If they screw up, that's on me. Hey, where did I fall short? What do I need to do to support you in this situation, to make things better, to ensure that this never happens again? What do I need to do? Because this is what took place. This is what should have happened. This is the gap. We're going to fill that gap. But you know what? I'm taking responsibility for it. That's on me. Also with analogies, and I, I look at, I've heard somebody say, you know, be the buffalo, not the cow. I'm like, oh, I love that. And what I'm, what I'm talking about is that whether this is true or not, and I don't know if it's true. I mean, I, I guess somebody out there listening might be like, yeah, that's, that's accurate. Supposedly. Supposedly now, if the buffalo are out in a big field on a plane somewhere and a storm is coming from a certain direction, the buffalo are going to turn and they're going to run into the storm. So danger's coming and issue's coming. They don't run from it. They turn towards it and they go right into it, which means that as it's coming towards them, they're going towards it. They're going to get through it faster and be done with it. They're going to address the problem. They're going right into it. Versus the cow. Now, supposedly, the cow turns around and runs away from the storm. The storm catches up to them. The cows are still running the same direction as the storm, which means, in the long run, they are in it longer. It's taking away from production. It's taking away from their day. It's taking, care, it's taking away of other things that could be doing, they, they could be doing, and they're, they're still in the storm. So I like the idea of being the buffalo, not the cow. And issues coming, hey, let's get on it. Let's let's turn right into it. Let's address it. And you don't have to do that with every single issue that comes up. You don't have to be involved in every single conflict, right? Sometimes you have to let people work things out and, and, and just step back and see where the cards fall because that's how... Oftentimes, other people learn how to resolve issues, and then you can follow up and say, hey, saw this was going on. I know you were working through it. Where are you? Right? You can do stuff like that. But when it's big enough, that big storm's coming, coming over the mountains and right towards your, your field, you turn towards it, you go through it. You don't run from it. Not, uh, just you know That analogy I love. Um, delegation. That's a that's another huge one. Yeah, I always used to think delegation was just telling people what to do. When I was when I was younger, one of the, the first long term jobs I had was uh, I was a steam cook at the at the Golden Corral. The old Golden Corral, I don't know if you have those, I called it the GoCo. I worked at the GoCo. I was a steam cook. And uh, I was pretty good at I I've always been a hard worker. I was pretty good at my position. And there was this individual I worked with. She was she was older than me, and we were we were good friends. I loved working with her. I I felt that we we gelled. You know, typically if you've ever been, been to a Golden Corral, it's it's a buffet, but you can sit down and order steaks and other items. You know, from from the grill, you can't you can do that. But as a steam cook, I took care of the buffet, right? And w- the way they would set it up is that there's two sides to the buffet and they always had two steam cooks and I took care of my side and whoever I worked with took care of their side. And, you know, you just, you really didn't focus on the other person too much unless they fell behind and they needed help. then you jumped in like a good coworker just to ensure that, you know, they had food out there and they're not, they're not getting into the weeds and and running behind and, you know, falling, falling short of, have an ample supply of food out there because these buffets at the time when i worked there it was a very popular one and it can get very busy but this individual i worked with and i thought we had a great relationship and just like how i wasn't really trained in delegation when it came time for her to move up she wasn't trained in delegation either and the management staff they didn't really have a management training, a leadership training program of telling people, you know, these, this is how you delegate. This is how you work with people. This is how you get things done efficiently and properly so that there's, there's harmony and there's a good working relationship. What they did was they went to her and she was a hard worker. So deservingly she got a promotion, but they told her, we're going to give you a raise. We're going to put you in a leadership position. We're going to make you a manager, and we're going to sit back and observe. So they told her, "We want you to go, and you're in charge of David. You need to tell him everything that he needs to do." Now she's worked with me in the past, so so I thought in my mind, and I will say this humbly, as humbly uh, uh, as humble as I can. I just had a, a verbal stroke. Bear with me. I thought I was pretty good at my job. I really did, and. She never had any complaints in the past, but all of a sudden, when she was put in this leadership position, like she just became, do this, do that, David, you need to do this. And I didn't know where this was coming from. It was like a complete 180 flip from our relationship in the past. and I realized that she was being told, this is how we're going to observe you. And they just wanted to see that she would take on the role of telling somebody else what to do, even though it wasn't efficient. So that really, I I, I would say, damaged our relationship because there I felt like I had a trusting relationship, a good working relationship with somebody. And all of a sudden, when they're put in a management position, it's like them just standing over top of you giving orders. Do this, do this, do this, do this. That, in my opinion, is not delegation. That, in my opinion, is not leadership. It's not management. It's not supervisory skills. There's a a time and place for it, maybe. But I don't think that should happen even 80% of the time in any job. The way that you delegate, the way that you get proficient with ensuring, or I should say making sure that things are proficient within your organization in whatever area that you are overseeing is by first understanding, do your personnel have the skill set? Now, with me, yes, I had the skill set. But if you don't, you train them, and you train them to your standard. You train them to the place that they need to be in order to accomplish the task to your satisfaction or to the company's policy, whatever it might be. You get them to that place and then you let them do the job, and then you follow up with them to ensure that it's done correctly. And then after that, after all is said and done, and you know that you can trust them to go out there and accomplish whatever it is they've been tasked with doing, you step back and you say, this is your role. I need you to take care of this position. And they go out there and they crush it. That is true delegation, in my opinion. It's not standing over top of somebody and saying, "'Do this,' and then getting upset if it's not done to your standard because you haven't trained them. You know, I just brought on somebody new to my part-time job, and he's very, very green, meaning he just you know he's a he's an indoor guy, I guess you know, and, and my my job is outdoor. Uh, so I have to give him small tax tasks, but I train him. I say, this is what we're looking for. This is how the machine works. This is what we're doing. This is what we're not doing and why we're not doing it. Okay. I'm going to do a few passes. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Now I'm going to give you the machine and you're going to do it. Okay, good. All right. Maybe do this a little bit different. Think about this. We talk about some things, do it again hey, that looks much better. Okay, now I'm going to give you this area to go tackle. Go crush it. Right? It's not just do this, do this, do this and and without training. You have to take the time to delegate correctly. And we don't teach that. We don't teach that's proper delegation. Now, that's just Dave Lewis's opinion on how things should be handled. But again, solid foundation for being in a leadership position. You don't have that. If you come in in a mental health crisis, if you come in depressed and you have to direct somebody, is it going to be done efficiently? Nope. You're going to fall into one of those three areas that is probably going to ruin a relationship and make people not want to be there where your motivation is going to be low or you're going to be hypervigilant or you're going to micromanage. Nobody likes any of that. Should not take place. Now, the last one I give you is, again, I like analogies for developing my own leadership style. I say, (laughs) this is a weird one, and you're probably, you're going to, welcome to my crazy brain, y'all. This is is how I think. I say, I want to be AS1, not AS2. And in the brain of Dave Lewis, AS1 is Ashley Stevenson. AS2 is Ashley Simpson. It just, I want to be, Ashley Stevenson, not Ashley Simpson. Now, you're probably saying Dave Lewis wants a sex change. No, that's not it. Here, stick around, bear with me. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what what I mean, but but don't click off yet because you, I'm going to start to tell you about one person that I highly recommend you check out on on YouTube or on the internet, whatever website they come up on, but they're fantastic. But again, going back to analogies, I look at things around me and I tie that back to just the way my mind works. I tie it back to leadership and I'm always doing comparisons. You know, how would that situation apply to me? And do I want to be taking some of that to better myself for the good of the people that I have under my charge? Again, responsibility for the well-being of those under my charge. It all comes back to that. So I say I want to be Ashley Stevenson, not Ashley Simpson. Now, Ashley Simpson is a relative. I think it might be the sister of Jessica Simpson, who I don't know if she, I think she might have been a singer. I know there was a reality show with her. Uh, I've seen her on a few commercials. I don't watch a ton of TV, but uh, Ashley Simpson, uh, some of y'all might remember, she, she's a singer. I can't tell you what songs she has sang, written, produced, been a part of, don't know but i do know that i i look at like these these uh well-known music stars and i always consider some of them and they've even had shows where they're like this person's a diva right I mean, that word diva it just it doesn't just doesn't sit. it just to me it rings needy <laughs> i don't know why so i think of ashley simpson as just being a needy person and and someone that has assistance you know, attending to their every need. They have a sound person. They have people doing all these different acoustics in the in the sound booth, trying to make them beautiful sound beautiful, and 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 lighting and all this these other things. So you have all these like, these people trying to create this this wonderful experience with with a with a uh, with a song or a video and, and tries to, to make them just stand out, you know, maybe they're doing some cool dance move and, you know, and that takes away from, you know, how great their voice really isn't. Um, so that's, that's why I say, I don't want to be Ashley Simpson because they might have, it's like a, it's like a peacetime leader, right? You have all these wonderful, scenarios and you have all these resources around you to make you look good and you know there's there's really no there's really no struggle there's there's nothing going on that's that's a distraction I say I don't want to be that with regards to my my leadership style now bear with me this all ties together I say I want to be Ashley Stevenson Ashley Stevenson if you've never heard of her um, she has a video She she actually has multiple videos and I have found them all to be wonderful she's a street performer she if you google and don't do this now you sit your butt down and you listen to this podcast I'm just kidding I didn't mean that but really if you go now I'll punch you in the taint and you'll regret it later Go, go and listen to her after this podcast I'm almost done she's a street performer if you google street performer Fleetwood Mac the song is Landslide I think she lives in Chicago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The setting is a subway in Chicago. If you've ever been on a subway anywhere, whether it's D.C., New York City, I don't care. Subways are loud. They're crowded. They're noisy. There's foot traffic. There's intercom systems. There's trains going up and down the track. There's just so much going on. And here is Ashley Simpson with nothing but her guitar and her voice. She doesn't have a sound guy. She doesn't have all this lighting. She doesn't have all these things that are being implemented implemented into her performance to make it seem so great. She is amongst chaos, loud noises, and in just the most untypical place where you think somebody would stand out amongst all that and just drown it out. And she starts this performance. It's completely unique. It's absolutely beautiful. Her voice is amazing. I think she has like 27 million views on YouTube and probably 16 million of those are me watching it again and again and again. I get goosebumps and chills every single time when she sings Landslide. She's in a yellow hoodie, Uh, her head's down, and you can't see her face and she's just playing this guitar with nothing but soul and heart. And when she does that, the foot traffic, the noise, everything around her is drowned out. The crowds stop. They are focusing solely on her. And I say, I want to be, with, with regards to my leadership style that I'm working towards, because I'm out there in the street because I'm out there in the chaos, because I'm out there with the crews, with all this stuff going around. I want my leadership style to be like Ashley Stevenson's performance. I want it to be unaffected. I want everything else to drown out. That when I have to direct crews, I want them to feel safe amongst all the chaos that's out there. I want there to be unity and understanding of everything that needs to take place and that people have a a better understanding of what needs to get done and it's done efficiently despite what we have going on around us. Whether it's in the street or the station, right? We have all these chaotic things going on. And just like in her performance, when she starts singing and playing the guitar, everything else doesn't matter. Trains are coming through, people are walking, all this stuff, and all you can see is just this one person standing amongst just noise in a busy atmosphere, but they have complete control of everything. Like that's what I want my leadership style to be. And and I, I don't want that to sound like Dave Lewis is full of himself. It's not that at all. I want to, because when the hard calls come in, when those difficult situations arise, I want to be found worthy to be in those situations. I want to be out there with my individuals struggling past it. But I want it to be in such a way that... I can drown out all the other noise that's around there for everybody else so that they can hear me, we can communicate, and we can orchestrate in a way that should not be present in that, that situation. So that's what I'm shooting for. I hope that makes sense. That's why, for me, I say I want to be AS1, not AS2. And what happened to Ashley Simpson when she had one small hiccup? Well, it wasn't a small hiccup. You know, she was lip syncing and uh, she, was, she was found lip syncing. I think it was on Saturday Saturday Night Live, right? So she had a small chaotic situation and she folded and she was done and she ran off the stage and she tried to make excuses for it later. Ashley Stevenson didn't do that. She sat there and she played. She was in her element and she controlled the scene and she owned it. And she was so well prepared for it. all the noise. She knew what was going to be there. And it was all it, it was all orchestrated beautifully. I don't know. That's just how my mind works. But I've got many of those things that that's how I implement what I want to be as a leader. And that's just a few of them. But that's what you need to do. You have to you have to have a foundation and understand who you are. If you don't know who you are, you're just going to do obscure things. And then when trouble comes, you're going to be even more lost. You can't have that. You're in charge of the well-being of those under your care. You're, you're responsible for them. You need to make sure that they get home to their spouses, to their kids, to their families. And the only way that you're going to ensure that you've done everything in your power to make that happen is to train yourself and have a better understanding of who you are, what you can and can't do, and you improve in those areas where where you fall short. And you know that you have resources to call upon when you're falling short or some situation comes up and you need help. That's the only way. That's what you need to do. Be a humble leader. Take care of your personnel. And everything else is okay. All these other issues that pop up, tell you what, they won't matter. At the end of the day, they don't matter. What matters are your folks. It's just my opinion. And I know not everybody agrees with it. I know some people say, "Well, chapter chapter seven of this book says that uh, um, you have to properly evaluate." And shut up, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of crap out there. There's like like I said, there's there's people out there that are in leadership positions or writing, well, I should say, not in leadership positions, writing material, and they've never they've never been a supervisor. People claiming to have the answers to all these situations for, for things that they, they've never encountered. They've never even tried to understand. They just say, Oh, well, I think, uh, I think, you know, maybe I started this e-commerce book and I had one employee and we, we packed a bunch of things, um, for, for, for Amazon and we, we sold them. And then somebody bought my company for $10 million. Uh, yeah, that makes me successful. So I think I can just talk on any subject. And today I'm going to talk on leadership. Nope, leading one person does not give you the right to go out there and say uh, this is how multi-million-dollar companies should handle their folks, handle their their processes, things like that. We have a ton of that going on. I was listening to a podcast last year, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And this person is a self-proclaimed leader. I was listening to him, and in the back of my mind, I always said, this person was full of crap. And it wasn't until this one specific episode, right when things started getting really hectic within the country and things started shutting down, that I, I, I had a real understanding of who he really was. And he wasn't capable of providing any sort of leadership information whatsoever. It's like somebody that doesn't have kids, and they're trying to give Advice on how to raise a, raise a child. Nope, keep your mouth shut. This one person, they were talking about how their business was was potentially going to fail. They they didn't know what to do. They they had all these concerns. They were thinking they were going to have to lay off a bunch of people. And you know the, the the same thing with their spouse. I don't know if it was a wife or the girlfriend. The same thing. She had. She had a business, and and they were they were discussing, you know, how there was just so much uncertainty, and they were scared, and they had all these problems, and that was really the basis for the 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 content of the podcast. And then at the very end, I was blown away. He goes, and by the way, I have a new ebook. I have I have a new ebook. If you would like to pre-order my newest ebook on how to survive a pandemic, go to blah 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 forward slash. Ebook book or whatever it is. right? And, and I'm saying to myself, you've got to be kidding me. But that's the kind of stuff that's out there. You can produce just about anything you want and somebody will grab it. And that's what he was doing. He was just, he wasn't serving his people. He was just looking to make a dollar. And there's a lot of these people out there that are writing courses on leadership saying these are the 16 steps to unbeatable, sh- unshakable you know leadership or management style it's it's a bunch of junk you have to figure out who you are as an individual and then from there you can progress you start to develop your own style all right i think that's what 20 minutes holy smokes no that's not 20 minutes that's a little bit longer we'll do some more leadership stuff I'm very passionate about the topic. I'm continually trying to improve. I'm, I'm continually trying to get better for the sake of my, my folks. Remember, do the same. We're in these positions because we have chosen to take on the responsibility for the well-being of, under the, of those under our charge. And so that means we have to look out for them. And that means it comes down to we have to do our job well. All right, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode today. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of those around you. I love you all. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.